Yeah, call me Maroc. I'm cool with that. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to widgmo.com and check them out. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel we have Joe Eames. Howdy. We have Merrick Christensen. Hey guys. Jameson Dance. Hello friends. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and I just want to remind you, if you're going to sign up for Rails Ramp Up, you have one week. Um, we also have two special guests, and that is um, Valerio Proietti. Hello. And Ariane Stolwick. Hello. And I think I got close on those names. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it was not bad. So uh, why don't we have um, Ariane go first? I- I'd like you just to introduce yourself really quickly for <clears throat> people who aren't familiar with who you are. Okay, so I'm Ariane. I'm a Mutos developer. Mostly. Besides that, I work for a company called Simulu, which is a bookmark website page. Besides that, I'm actually still studying for my master's degree in embedded uh, systems. And that's about it. Cool. And uh, Valerio, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Um, well, I am. I created Mutools a few years ago. And uh, since then, a lot of cool people have joined the project, like uh, Harian that we have here today. And I'm currently working in Sweden at Spotify. Oh, cool. Very so, cool. Yeah, we, we like Spotify. Is that the headquarters yeah, for Spotify is in Sweden? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This is the where the magic happens. Nice. They have other offices, but they're not as important as the, as the Swedish one. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Everyone is important. No, that's the Swedish one. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. All right. So, um, do you guys want to just take a minute and explain what MooTools is? I, I think some people have some idea, but just to get kind of give us a baseline for the rest of the conversation. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, MooTools is a it's a, it's a JavaScript framework, and uh, this was created quite a few years ago now, like uh, six or seven years ago. Probably even more, but yeah, about seven years ago. So, um, and as a, as a basic idea of Moodles is to enhance JavaScript, uh, rather than like give you objects to work with, uh, like wrap around stuff. No, it, it just enhances JavaScript. It writes in, uh, the native objects prototypes. So that's the, that was the main goal of Moodles to, and, uh, to create a, JavaScript framework to enhance JavaScript. Uh, I don't know if Arian wants to add something to it. At the moment, we are actually building new stuff, and that isn't really more like the native stuff, native extending stuff, and that's super new and cool. I guess we'll talk about it uh, later more, more on this. But, uh, <clears throat> but for the Moodles 1.x, it's yeah, basically what Valerio said, and uh, it's super cool, stable, and uh, to use. Now, MooTools so, has been around for a while, hasn't it? it? Is it designed to work with Node as well or just the front end? Uh, well, MooTools specifically wasn't uh, really designed to work with Node because it came out way before Node. Yeah. But um, it, it does work in Node uh, with a few uh, 
gotchas, but yeah, it kind of does work. <laughs> in yeah. reasons, uh, like Aaron said, the new stuff that we're building, we're basing everything on common JS and Node.js. So that's, that's a different story, but yeah, Mutus, the, the Mutus that we all know, it's, it wasn't really bid for uh, Node.js. So I wanted to ask you about that. I have not used Mutools extensively very much at all. I've spent a little bit of time glancing through the docs and playing with it just to prepare for this show. And it, I saw the, the extensions of, of native objects, like stuff on prototypes and things. And that seems like it's fallen out of fashion a lot recently and gets a lot of flack as, as a bad idea. Um, why did you guys to choose to do it that way instead of providing like functions that you pass in things like some of the more util libraries like underscore or something? Well, if you think about it, uh, JavaScript has uh, a native API to allow to you to like extend uh, native objects, like even uh, HTML elements and string and array and whatnot. So uh, at the time, like seven years ago or something, uh, it, it was a pretty good idea. And even today, uh, I see a lot of developers like uh, having uh, difficulty handling handling like wrapped objects, like. Um, underscore and or jQuery elements and Moodles just had methods to real DOM elements like you could you can do a query selector for instance and use Moodles methods so it, it is a bit difficult to work with if you're working with other frameworks that do the same kind of thing like prototype for instance if you if you both uh, modify the same objects is gonna be a problem of course but uh, it's really it's much easier for developers to work with. That's what I believe in. Yeah, it does. I mean, it looks very clean because it makes a lot of sense that object would have all these methods for extending object and, and doing set operations on objects and stuff. But it, yeah, it just seems like some people will yell at you for doing that. Do you do anything to prevent overriding properties if they already exist? So do you check to see if someone already put on uh, like a... a subset method or whatever, just if something's already there before you write it onto the property? Yeah, well, um, Moodles is a few, adds a few methods to the array object, uh, for instance, or uh, like the string object as well, and every native object called implement. And that method checks if there's a previously added uh, method to the object's prototype. So yeah, okay. it, doesn't, it doesn't overwrite existing methods. Sweet. That approach to the API design results in some of the cleanest APIs. Like, I, I did Mutuals for a long period of time, and I just, I always loved how the code came out because of that. Extending the prototypes, like, it's, it's a trade-off, right? And it, it just, the APIs look wonderful. Could you guys spend a little bit of time and talk about the class system? Because I think that's one of the coolest systems of Mutuals. You guys have the implements. Um, and I noticed you guys are also working on a library called Prime to bring that class system into Node. Could you guys talk a little bit about that and the goals behind it? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, I can talk about uh, the class as it was in uh, as it is in Moodle's one point uh, X, and basically the 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 idea was to have a easier system to work with uh, prototypal inheritance, and uh, so. We have a lot of like helper methods to extend a class or implement new methods to a class and uh, mainly call the, the parent function of a method, uh, the parent method of a method, for 
for instance. And uh, yeah, that, that was the main goal of the Mutuals 1.x class uh, module, basically to uh, have a proper parent uh, implementation, like to be able to call the parents class parent method. Uh, I don't know if that's clear enough, but yeah. And in in yeah. Prime, um, I, I think uh, Arian could talk a bit about the Prime implementation since he's, he's working on it a bit. Yeah, like Prime is basically the same as class, except it tries to be very lightweight and small and just you can create a new class and inherit it from another object. That's really easy. Except when you want to call the super method, then you have to do it yourself. Or you can use utilities we are writing to make that easier. But it tries to be uh, as easy, as clean as possible. It works in Node and it's really, really cool. The basic idea is that uh, to have a proper parent uh, function to work in Moodle's 1.x, yeah. we had to do, we, we had to have a, a lot of trade-offs and uh, there are a bit of uh, speed concerns as well. Uh, it's not that bad. I mean, it, it works and it's tested and everything, but uh, we're exploring like a much simpler solution without having to like wrap methods in other methods and stuff like that in the yeah. in the new stuff in Prime. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that. Okay. Um, so I've been looking at Prime and I had high hopes for the project Milk. And Milk was from my understanding, kind of taking Mood Tools and making it into MD. But I haven't seen any activity on that. Is that because you guys have decided to stop working on that and start working on the CommonJS newer stuff? Or Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, we, we decided to scrap the Milk project uh, and go CommonJS instead. And uh, the, the modules are pretty much the same ones that we had in Milk, but... Mm, we just split those in prime and elements and uh, agent and OFX. So it's still modular, but uh, we decided to go common JS instead of AMD. Beautiful. And is are there any new design goals? Are you guys still aiming to enhance the native JavaScript with these libraries, or are you going to make that optional? I heard some talk about that, letting you install the prototype methods versus having them there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the in the new stuff, it's going to be optional. Uh, we're still writing uh, the API as prototypes, uh, but we're not going to expose those to the native objects by default, basically. And you're gonna you're gonna have to Very do it yourself if you want to. Very cool. Um, you still you can okay. still use uh, like um, generic methods, for instance, if you don't want to uh, extend the native objects, or uh, you could use um, what we call a ghost, uh, which is Kind of like underscore, basically yeah, a bit different, but yeah, it's like the okay. Underscore it's kind of like the wrapping approach of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, is Prime kind of considered the next step for Mutools? Then is that is that what you guys are thinking? Prime elements, all these kind of modular pieces. Is that going to be Mutools too, so to speak? Yes, yes, exactly. That, uh, that is going to be the next like four, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the difference cool. is so big. <laughs> So it's not really that you can upgrade to the to the new stuff. It's like you have to rewrite a lot. Yeah, and, it's uh, the, that's the, true. the design goals are quite different. Yeah, and okay, so 
I've been looking at the the Prime stuff recently a lot, and I, I mean, I I really like it. I, well, I like all the stuff you guys do. My question is, it's very common JS driven, and so to use it in the browser, you have to build it essentially. And the build tool, I, th I saw you guys write your own build tool, like wrap up or something like that. It, it's wrap up, right? That's wrap up. And for those that don't know, wrap up is a common JS tracer. They'll trace your module pass and they'll kind of make common JS modules build and work in the browser. Exactly. Um, that's really simplified. But is there any hope of or any plans of making these modules compatible with like required JS without a build? Yeah, exactly. In the last wrap up release, we added support for converting common JS to AMD. So you can basically the CommonJS is really similar to AMD, except that AMD wraps up in a define function. So in wrapup, we do we take the uh, abstract syntax tree, we add some sugar, then we output the JavaScript, and that's AMD basically for each module. So it's really easy, yeah, and you can awesome. just output the AMD, and then you can use required JS if you like that. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, if, if I can add, if I can add something yes, to this, I'm uh, looking forward to that. If I can add something to this, it basically uh, Please, what yeah. we, what the the conclusion that we came is that uh, AMD is not a good uh, source uh, definition format. module definition. Yeah, format. It's not a good source format. Like CommonJS is the best uh, source format that there is. <laughs> Today and with every other format uh, has its own use and its own strengths and uh, features and every other format can be uh, can be basically built uh, from CommonJS. But for instance, if we had uh, AMD as a source format, we couldn't we wouldn't be able to build CommonJS as easily or use it in Node.js mainly. So that's that's why we we decided to use CommonJS as a source format and wrap up uh, takes care of every other format that we might want to support with a build system. That's actually a, a terribly good argument for using CommonJS as your source. I really like that. I really so, like that. So yeah. one thing that I want to uh, ask, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the J jQuery word, but someone uh, already used it once, so you're not the first. But uh, it, it looks like this is, uh, you know, it's it's a viable alternative to jQuery. I'm I'm wondering if MooTools gives you any capabilities that jQuery doesn't give you, and vice versa, if jQuery gives you anything that MooTools doesn't give you. Can I answer this as like an impartial observer first, and then we'll get the real answer? Go for it. So one thing that MooTools looks like it does a lot better job is is with modularity. Like everything is split up into totally separate. Um, modules that you can decide to include or not. And jQuery, everything is, is just, it's all there, right? It's all on the dollar sign. And so if you decide you only want to use like the function prototype stuff or the object prototype stuff, then you can use that. Or if you want to just have a, a nice class syntax, you can use that. But with jQuery, you, you kind of get it all and there's not really much choice in what you build into it. That was the that was well. I'm sure there are many more differences, but that was the one that struck me. I would actually. Over it. Yeah, I'd love to give an impartial answer too, if that's cool. Before they're real, you're answer. not impartial, Merrick. <laughs> I'm like a bull. I I view jQuery as a as a domain specific language for the DOM, and and MooTools is because of its modularity approach, and it also gives you uh, some sort of object approach. It kind of brings in some of the elements that you find in like Backbone. 
So, so all the, the structural things that, that you like in a framework like Backbone, Bluetools kind of has baked in because they, they build these things around this uh, class system. And uh, they have like uh, just things like that, Cookie, JSON, good animation stuff. So it's like, it, it's hard to explain, but, but it's more structured than jQuery code. So you don't need the appendage like Backbone if you're using Bluetools. Mm -hmm. uh, now for the real answer. Basically, you said everything. So that that oh. it really, <laughs> it's yeah, it's modularity and uh, having a system that doesn't lock you into like dumb specific code. So that's really it. So uh, so are there instances where you would use MooTools over jQuery or jQuery over MooTools and have it be a clear victory, or is it just a matter of taste? Well, as I see it, uh, jQuery is really, really nice for uh, unexperienced people with JavaScript in general. It's it's a really good library. Even if you if you just need to work with the DOM, which isn't always easy, uh, jQuery is a really nice option. It's a, it's a solid uh, DOM library, and I really like it for what it is. So that's when I would. Oh my God! You said consider using you like jQuery. jQuery or. Yeah, I do. <laughs> As a DOM library, it's a real but, solid. But notice DOM how library. it was kind of a backhanded compliment. Like jQuery is good if you don't know JavaScript, but yeah. but if you're super smart, then you'll use MooTools, basically. Well, uh, I, I can kind of, I can kind of see it both ways because, for example, in Ruby, that's what I spend most of my time working in. You can use Rails without really understanding Ruby. But you don't really get all the power out of it until you really understand Ruby and the underlying language. And it sounds like that's kind of what they're saying is, you know, jQuery is probably more approachable for people who aren't as familiar with the idioms and thinking around the way that JavaScript works. But once you understand what JavaScript gives you, then MooTools is is a powerful tool because it actually then just amplifies your ability to work in JavaScript itself, instead of yeah, abstracting that, you know, all of the all of the tricky and hard pieces away, and sometimes hobbling you a little bit so that you don't go wander off into the swamp. How do I add numbers with jQuery? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good question. That's the that's the classic like jQuery developer question. Right? I want to add numbers, and I have jQuery. How do I do it? Yeah, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but yeah, uh, basically, what I what I meant. Was, was that jQuery is way more approachable than Moodles. And that's not a bad thing. Um, an experienced JavaScript developer can also use jQuery, and he's going to use jQuery much better than a, like a non-JavaScript developer. But yeah, a non-JavaScript developer can probably uh, use jQuery with a certain degree of success. While if he uses Moodles, then he's not going to be really happy, really. Mutuals oh, gives more than just DOM stuff, right? Like they differ in that sense because they give you like uh, utilities for functions, like like function dot from and attempt uh, and chains and uh, ch uh, n nicer things for what do you call it? I guess uh, and class, of course, because yeah, class you, you can structure your entire code and you don't really yeah, you don't, the backbone is so nice, right? but you don't really need it anymore. You can, you can because, build because structural you, code without good structured code without backbone. Exactly. So I'm kind of I'm kind of a a MooTools family, obviously. I actually started with MooTools and learned jQuery. <laughs> the, so I kind of went the the other way than I suppose most people. But 
but I, I'm grateful for it because I feel like Mutuals taught me JavaScript. Hmm. So if Mutuals is a more of kind of an advanced JavaScript, um, you know, or enhanced JavaScript, I guess you could say, and jQuery is more of a DOM library, can you use them together? Yes, you can. Yeah. I was just reading a blog post, right? A lot, lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people are doing that. I'm using jQuery for the DOM things and Mutuals for the rest, and it's working pretty good. So there's no tricky interplay between it, at least for most things? No, not at all. In, in Mutuals, for instance, you can decide to create your own build without the DOM stuff completely. You can leave oh. that out completely and then just use jQuery. Yeah, which, which it's so funny because uh, jQuery is actually starting to get that. Now that they've moved to Grunt, jQuery 2, I think, is going to let you do somewhat modular builds. And, yeah. and Mutuals has been doing that since I can remember, since I was in high school. That was yeah. like last year, Merrick. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know that jQuery UI actually has, um, you know, it's it's a bunch of widgets for your website that kind of uh, add on to jQuery, and that, that one you can pick which widgets you want to include and exclude the rest. It's nice to hear that uh, jQuery is kind of going that way. So I wanted to yeah. talk about, I'm going to say the J word one more time. So jQuery seems like it has found a place as kind of the, the plumbing for some higher level MVC frameworks. I know Backbone expects something jQuery-like, Ember uses jQuery. Are, are there any frameworks that are using Mutools to kind of abstract away all their DOM stuff, or, or does it fill a different role, do you think? There are actually some MVC frameworks for Mutools. They, uh, they are not as famous as Ember or Backbone. I know two, which is Epitome and Neuro. And maybe some others. There are also uh, backbone adapters that basically mimic the the jQuery API. Yeah, so so they they do exist, and uh, you can still use class for most things. So uh, yeah, yeah. But the thing is that uh, if you're building a framework and you depend on Moodles, then you're gonna have all the uh, the na- native extension baggage, which I oh, think sure. it's not it's not that good for a framework. So uh Mutuals wasn't really built as a base for frameworks. Uh while sure. the the new prime stuff it is it's built for that basically. So I can understand why not many people want to like depend on Mutuals for building frameworks. And that's that's a good point actually. And that's also why we decided to go a slightly different way for the new stuff. So is there anywhere to, to look at the new stuff? Because all the stuff on the website looks like it's still 1.x. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's all on GitHub. Yeah. Oh, cool. Or is it is it like something you want people to look at, or are you still... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. We're not really um, publicizing it yet. We're not writing blog posts or anything like that yet. But uh, it, everything is kind of released. It's uh, available in NPM. You can install it. You can use it. It, it does have a version. So it does have documentation and tests. Documentation and tests, yes. And uh, we didn't really publicize it yet uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, Mainly because it's still version 0.x. So the API might change a lot still? Might change a bit right now, yeah. Uh, That's the main reason, but uh, it's it's pretty stable and tested and documented, so it's going to come... We're going to announce it pretty soon. Well, for not wanting to publicize it, you sure are talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You might have just done it. <laughs> so I want to talk about some of the the APIs that I'm seeing just playing with uh, the demo page. One of the things that I saw that I thought was really, really cool was the chaining. Do you want to just explain really quickly how that works and, and how people can, or how you've seen it used to great effect? It's like the it's it's the it's the function chain. So yeah. like all this, then this, then this, then this. Uh, if if you have an object and each method just returns itself, then you can chain. Or oh, that's the. Uh, is was it the animation chain maybe or the chain? Yeah, the, yeah that's what yeah, it, that's what you used it for was an animation chain. It's the class. Chain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. There, there was a, basically a, an utility for creating uh, animation uh, chains of animations. Yeah, it wasn't really that big of a deal. It's just uh, kind of like a. It's two lines of code, basically. Yeah. If, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the thing that I really liked about it was, for example, if you have some workflow that needs to happen, or if you have a series of of different things that you want to occur rather than <laughs> creating one big function that says do this and this and this and this and this and this or triggering a bunch of events effectively what you do is you just say do this and then chain this next thing onto it and so you can discreetly break apart the, the yeah. pieces of what is supposed to happen and then just chain them all together and um, at least in theory I, I haven't played with this too awful much you could wind up with much cleaner code because all of the different effects are, you know, lined up and, and then just happen in the order that you uh, chain them together. Oh, yeah. Says, um, I remember now with promises. It says, especially in Node, it's useful because all you have to, with all the asynchronous uh, yeah. systems and uh, stuff. But, yeah. Which yeah, model I really like is async. It's one of the most popular uh, packages on npm, and it's basically the same thing. Only it provides a lot more, and you can like async and then parallel, and then it executes the functions par in parallel or series or map and then return stuff. It's really nice. You should uh, look at it. Yeah, you could you could probably see the chain as a precursor to this new uh, promises thing, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. It feels, I mean, it's kind of like chain kind of is what then is in a very uh, high level approach. It's, it's essentially like, yeah, it, it takes observer and it calls the next function that's passed into it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I've just been clicking through some of these others. A lot of them look like um, some of the things that you get out of jQuery or jQuery UI, um, where it's just element manipulation. You know, so you can look it up, you can do drag and drop, things like that. I'm a little curious. One other thing before I get into that that I really liked was the, the request API for doing like Ajax calls and stuff. That mm -hmm. seemed really, really clean to me. The, the, and when we've complained about this on the show before, the API in jQuery to do Ajax requests or in XJS, which is another one that I've been using recently, it's, it's really, really ugly. And this seemed, just a whole lot more, um, I don't know. I, I, I just liked it a little bit better. The, I mean, it looks a lot the same, but at the same time, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, the request. Yeah. That's what I was saying with the APIs is, is because of the the approach of like 
sort of enhancing it, the APIs tended to look a lot cleaner in Mutual's 1.x, like request, et cetera. They, they just, they look like you would expect them to. So part of that seems like it's because it's organized a lot more around objects instead of yeah. um, imperative, like procedural stuff. And jQuery feels a little bit like you're, you're, you're chaining specific operations together or, or just kind of telling the computer what to do in these steps. And this looks a lot more like you're creating um, objects that model the behavior you want. Both of the approaches have their own strengths. And our approach is more, uh, I think it's, it gives you more power in the end to do whatever you want to do. But uh, it's also a bit more cumbersome to begin with, uh, to, to start a new project or a new request. Uh, and it, it's a, it is a bit cumbersome to have to specify all the options. It gives you more power in the end, the approach with the all the options and stuff, but it, it is a bit more difficult to use, I guess. To your point, Jameson, it stands for My Object Oriented Tools. So so it's definitely uh-huh. based on objects in that case. Sneaky. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. I, I yeah. just thought somebody had a thing for a cow. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the reason, the real reason behind it. But yeah, officially it's my object oriented. Yeah. That is really, really slick. So what, what's your favorite instance that you've seen Mutools used in? So it could be a website or a library that builds off of Mutools. Oh, well, uh, I might be a bit on the, the side here, but I really like it being used in the, uh, Spotify web player. <laughs> Of course. That's probably because I work here, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, actually, my favorite website using Mutools is 9gag. So, I visit every day. So oh, 9gag. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm a little curious. What part of Mutools are you most proud of? Without any doubt, the class system. Yeah. That was the, the main reason also why I started with Mutools in the first place to write a better class system for JavaScript. Oh, okay. What about you, Arian? Well, I was going to say the same, but I'm (laughs) really kind of proud of WrapUp, which is uh, the the CommonJS build tool we recently made. I uh, I did a lot of work uh, on that, and I really like it. So the class system and WrapUp, those are really, those are awesome things. I'm wondering... With the class system, you guys mentioned that Prime is kind of changing the approach to that. Are you going to see a similar amount of power in the Prime object system? It is a bit less powerful in some ways uh, because you can't use parent methods as easily as in Moodles, but it's pretty much uh, the same concept. Yeah. Okay. It basically trades a bit, a little bit of uh, <clears throat> of ease with speed uh, well actually for the parent method i created prime util and that provides a a way to call parent methods more easily so well it's not as easy as in mutus 1.x but it's it's okay so cool the, the, it's, yeah. Is it the, yeah you you actually have like a pointer to the parent right yeah it's like on the prototype of the parent uh, object, so you can just call it. Cool. Can I make a, a radical change of subject? Go ahead. We kind of talked about this a little bit throughout the podcast, but we never really got the, the whole story. 
So do you want to talk about kind of the history of MooTools and where it came from? Because I know it's, it's, it's a lot older than some of the other frameworks around there, but I don't know that much about it um, because I, I haven't ever used it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the story is this more or less than in 2005, I think, uh, I started developing this little uh, animation framework uh, called the MoFX. And uh, it was a real easy way to create animation out of anything, really. It could, could have been a, a HTML element property or even a numeric, numerical value. Uh, you could animate anything. Uh, so, and after that, uh, I was using prototype at the time, uh, but it didn't really uh, scale too much, uh, mainly because of the uh, lack of modularity that prototype had, much like. And so, yeah, after after seeing how prototype didn't fit my needs anymore, I decided to kind of start uh, creating a new uh, framework. So that's the that's how it started. And you said that was in two thousand five. Mm, yeah, yeah, five or six. Uh, I I wasn't doing anything related to websites back then. I was like I was fourteen or something. school, yeah, <laughs> more or less. But uh, I think it was like December two thousand five, and then yeah, yeah, okay. and that was version zero dot eight dot seven, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. That is the that is the version that I use for everything that I release zero point eight point seven. So, so I remember back then, um, I was pretty new to web development. We were using Scriptaculous. And uh, Scriptaculous did a lot of the effects. And then, yeah, we, we started looking at MooFX, and then the project ended. Oh, okay. Was it that because of MooFX? No, the project ended because um, the people running the project mismanaged it and ran out of money. So your oh, library okay. didn't kill their project. Don't worry. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, there there were some definite there were some definite advantages to going with um, MooTool or MooFX that we saw, but it was it was mainly just the comp- comprehensibility of the code, like the yeah. Scriptaculous stuff. Sometimes was really hard to follow. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, we we had a different uh, approach to the problem. Mainly, uh, the the MooFX was probably more of an animation library. But not dumb animation library. If that's yeah, yeah. Scriptaculous tries to try to do a lot of things like slide-ins and expands of HTML elements, while MoFX really uh, work with numbers uh, mainly. Okay. All right. Well, it seems like we're winding down. Are there any other aspects of Mood tools that we should talk about before we get into the picks? I have a vital question: Does the Mood tools source code use semicolons or not? The Moodle source code does use semicolons, but the right. new Moodle's uh, frameworks like Prime and Elements and the new MoFX doesn't. Okay, so no now more everyone, semicolons. everyone hates you for some reason or another, either because you use semicolons <laughs> or because you don't. <laughs> You're safe. Well, I might as well not in that case because it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter because with WrapUp, you add the semicolons anyway. Because yeah, the, the oh, cool. Cool. generation. So, if it works in Node, then it works anywhere. So uh, in advance, you get the semicolons if you yeah, want. Yeah, that was just tongue in cheek. I don't think it matters, but had to say something dumb. 
to finish off the podcast. Yeah, there job. we go. What What are the other religious battles? <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's a spaces, but the, yeah, I think the whole discussion is stupid. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Vim or Emacs? All right, let's get to the picture. Vim. Next <laughs> <laughs> me. All right, well, let's get to the picks. Joe, why don't you start us off with picks? All right. I got uh, two picks uh, this week. Um, one is the game Wasteland 2, which has not been released back way back in the day, long before even I became a programmer. There was this game called Wasteland, and it was a bomb. Loved that game. Loved that game. And so uh, some studios picked up the IP and was producing a Wasteland 2 video game. And the initial reviews, even though it's like in pre-alpha, I've been pretty positive about it. So pretty excited for that. And I can't remember exactly when it's going to be released. But I'm going to pick Wasteland 2. And then my other pick is going to be a book series. It's the Lost Fleet series by um, I think Jack Campbell. It's a series of something like eight books. It's a sci-fi series. It features lots of really, really, really cool space battles. It reminds me a lot of one of my favorite Star Wars novels, The Back to War. Or Back to Wars, I can't remember if or not, but um, it's, it's a pretty long series and it's really cool. Awesome, awesome plot, great writing, and really cool action. So I'm going to pick that one as well. All right, Merrick, what are your picks? Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Mood Tools in this episode because Mood Tools shaped me as a programmer. It's kind of my first uh, first dive into object oriented programming, and and it's just been awesome. Uh, then I'm going to pick people who can ride an airplane for the first time. I envy those people. So, yeah, that's it. All right, Jameson, what are your picks? I have a plethora of picks today and some good alliteration. So my first pick is this thing that Square released uh, this week, I think. It's the ES6 module transpiler. So there's been a lot of discussion uh, about the ES6 module syntax and, and lots of opinions. And this transpiler allows you to, to use the new ES6 module syntax, like in your code today, and you can transpile it to CommonJS or AMD. Um, so, you, so it'll actually still work with whatever system you're using. And I think this will be really valuable to get an opinion on how it actually feels to use it instead of just kind of yell about the spec, which is what a lot of people have been doing. The next one is, it's called Song of GitHub. It's a little app somebody made to take that GitHub contribution visualization. You know, the, the grid that has little squares with, for, for days that you've contributed or that you've committed oh, yeah. stuff. So someone wrote an app that takes that and turns it into music. So it'll, it'll play chords based on the days that you've contributed stuff. It's pretty sweet. Just type your name in and, and listen to how you sound. Type, uh, Vision Media to hear all of the notes in the world because he has tons and tons of open source stuff. My next pick is the voting for the Open West Conference. It's a technology conference um, out here in Utah, and it's going on in May, I believe. But the the voting for presentations just came out today, and I it might still be open when this episode goes up. But you should check it out if you're around here and interested in going to this conference. There's some good-looking presentations. And my last pick, sorry, a, a mouthful of stuff. But So my last one is uh, this Node HTTP um, server framework thing from Walmart Labs called Happy. I, I didn't even know that Walmart Labs existed or that Walmart did anything with technology besides create those little scooters for morbidly obese people to ride. So... <laughs> 
that was kind of cool to see that they're doing cool stuff with Node. Um, and it's it's a good looking framework. They have some interesting ideas on built in validations of JSON uh, data types and and stuff like that. So you should check that out too. Those are all of them. Most picks in the world. Sorry, I'm done. Wow. All right. Well, um, I'm going to go next. I've got a couple of picks. One pick that uh, somebody put up um, on Twitter, they were replying to something that somebody said on the Ruby Freelancer show, and I just thought it was funny. It's ca- it's cornify.com, I think. It Basically what it is, it's got a button on there. Like every so often when you move the mouse around it, it makes rainbows that follows your mouse. And then if you click the cornify button, then it puts like unicorns and ponies and rainbows and all kinds of stuff on the screen. And so if you keep clicking it over and over and over again, pretty soon your whole screen is full of glittering ponies and unicorns and stuff. And I just thought it was pretty funny. So uh, the other one that I'm going to pick is something that we're doing this weekend. Um, we're going to the Parade of Homes in St. George. And St. George, Utah is uh, one of those warmer climates where older people go to retire with all of their um, buku bucks that they've saved up over their lifetime. So the Parade of Homes down there, unlike the Parade of Homes up here, is um, basically you get to go through a whole bunch of like million, two million, three million, six million dollar homes and uh, see all the stuff that they've put into them. And uh, every year we come back with a ton of ideas for things that we either want to do to the house that we're currently living in or to put into a house that we may eventually build. So anyway, it, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I'll, I'll link to that as well. Um, the last thing that I want to uh, pick is um, it's Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Now, um, I just want to point out because several people in the programming communities that I work through are um, not religious or not Christian. This is very highly Christian-based thing. Most of the financial principles are sound, but he does talk a lot about his uh, Christian faith and things, so if that bothers you, this may not be the course for you. But if if you're up for just some sound financial advice, then um, then go check it out. Um, It's it's really, really good. Um, I think I spent like a hundred and something bucks to get the the at-home system. You can also go to a course. They have in-person courses all over the U.S., and uh, and they're well worth it. We just couldn't find a scheduled time that would work for us for the class. So anyway, um, it, it's it's just been stupendous. We we're, we've gone through the first four lessons, which means that we've put together our list of debts and how we're going to pay them off. And so we're we're doing a budget now, and we're we're working through a financial plan to get out of debt. And it it's it's awesome. So I, I recommend it to anybody. Um, but if you're sensitive to, again, somebody talking about the Bible and biblical principles and Christian faith, then, you know, just be aware that that is in there. But, uh, yeah, uh, those are my picks. Uh, Valerio, what are your picks? Um, my first pick is, uh, actually related, related to my job, which is, uh, node leave Spotify. I'm going to give you the link and it's a way to use Spotify, uh, with Node.js, which is really cool. And sure. I've been using it for uh, the last week since we had a hack week at Spotify where we worked on fun projects. So and it's really nice to do Spotify playback through Node.js. And the second pick is uh, probably Super Agent from TJ, which is a, a request class for Node.js and the browser. So basically it's a... It, 
it keeps the same API uh, in Node.js and the browser to make uh, HTTP requests, which uh, I think is really, really, really nice. And my last pick is um, one of my libraries, actually. It's MoFX, MoFX version 3.0. Uh, which is uh, on GitHub as well. Uh, I'm going to give you the link. And uh, the new stuff that MoFX support is uh, CSS3 animations in a compliant browsers or uh, normal JavaScript animations. And it's uh, it even works in Node.js, and you can make animations with a command line or whatever. And awesome. that's it. Awesome. All right. Um, Ariane, what are your picks? Uh, I have two picks. Uh, the first one is from... Brandon Ike's blog, where he talks why Mozilla matters, and especially with the Opera changing to WebKit and the WebKit monoculture, and uh, he talks like why it's bad or not ideal to have one standard browser, e even though it's open source and according to the uh, W3 specs of uh, W3C specifications, and. Yeah, I think that's interesting about the discussion about Opera changing to WebKit. And my second pick is I'm a Ubuntu user and I re really like it. And this week they released a preview of Ubuntu tablet and they also re uh, released Ubuntu phone. And I guess today they released the source code and I hope they, they, they will they can change the market uh, at the moment, like with Android and iOS. I hope they can do that, but we will see. It 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 really looks really really nice with the multitasking, and uh, you can have your phone apps uh, at the sidebar, and then do all the stuff uh, st stuff on the on the other other side of the screen. And yeah, we will see uh, how that will evolve. All right. Yeah, I've I've looked at Ubuntu Phone and some of the ideas they have there. I'm really excited that there's going to be, you know, just another source of great ideas for phone OSs out there. So, um, all right. Well, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for coming, guys. It was really, really good to talk to you. And you know, hopefully, you. we get a few people to look at MooTools and you know, kind of understand what the what the power is there. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah that was great. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, guys. That was awesome.